Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 16 on What About Therapy. I'm your host, Enoch Fossum. I'm a certified mindfulness life coach, and I'm currently going to school to become a licensed marriage and family therapist. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about something that I am really passionate about, and that is the subject of pornography addiction. And we're going to talk about mainly pornography as a business, as a company first, and then we're going to go into what it does to our brain when we view pornography and really what makes it addicting. So all that coming up next on What About Therapy. All right, so let's just jump right into it. So recently, as I've been thinking about uh, just my, my podcast and podcasts in general, there are a lot of podcasts out there that are really long, right? Like 45 minutes to an hour. I've had an episode, what, 50 minutes or so, close to an hour. And in those episodes, there are just a ton, there's a ton of information, right? And I don't know about you, but when I come away from those episodes, I love them. Absolutely love all the podcasts I listen to. But my retention with everything that was said is really low for the most part, except for some things that stood out to me. And there's really no problem with that at all. Like, that's awesome. But I think I want to try and focus more on maybe shorter episodes and really focus on a couple key points each episode. So that's something that can stick with you throughout the week and kind of reinforce what you're learning. You know what I'm saying? And so that's kind of the direction I'm going to go with this. So we'll we'll just see. We'll see what's going on. So first of all, a couple of weeks ago, for one of my classes, I made a survey about pornography. There was no pornography in the survey, okay? It was just questions, all right? So chill. But uh, so I, I sent this survey out, and there were 10 people that filled out the survey, okay? So not a whole bunch, just 10. And in that survey, it was eight questions. Two questions said, one, have you ever seen pornography, okay? And seeing pornography means you see it and you don't look at it for longer than 10 seconds. And so you basically just see it and look away. You don't spend time uh, looking at it. You don't view it. Does that make sense? So when everyone filled out that survey, everyone said that they have seen pornography. And that wasn't a shocker to me, right? Because I know that pornography is a really big problem, especially today, and it's getting worse. And so that that wasn't a surprise to me. And the second question was, have you viewed pornography or have you looked at pornography, which means longer than 10 seconds? And every single person, every, all the 10 people, they said, yes, they have viewed, they have looked at pornography. And like I said before, I knew it was a really big problem. I knew it was an issue. And for some reason, it just hit me with the survey with just 10 people, um, how big of a deal it really is. Like, I don't know, it just took that survey for it to really click in my brain and yeah, so ever since then, I mean, I've been really, I've known I've wanted to go into this subject for a long time, for a couple years now, the topic of pornography addiction or sexual compulsive disorder. So there's also a debate out there, side note, where whether pornography addiction is actually like a thing, if that makes sense. So there's something called the DSM-5, the Diagnostics and Statistics Manual, 
And that is what mental health professionals use to diagnose like mental health disorders. And in that manual of all these different disorders to diagnose people with, pornography addiction is not one of them. It's under sexual compulsive disorder. And, you know, there's a whole argument going on whether it's like an addiction or not, or if it really is just sexual compulsive disorder. And for me, my belief is that pornography addiction is very real, okay? And that's something that someone, I think, can be diagnosed with is pornography addiction. It's not just sexual compulsive disorder. Um, But anyways, uh, yeah, that was just a tangent. But uh, so I've wanted to go into this subject of pornography addiction or sexual compulsive disorder, whatever you want to call it. Same thing in my mind um, for a long time. But just when that when I had that survey taken, um, it just really hit me and kind of lit a fire within me to be able to start to make a change and start now to fight against pornography. And so first of all, I want to talk about the porn industry, okay, as a business. And now all this information that I'll be talking about this episode and a lot of episodes to come, probably every episode about pornography in the future will come from a book called He Restoreth My Soul. Now it's a religious book, um, but it's mainly, it's about pornography addiction through um, kind of a Christian filter if you want to call it that. I mean, just how mainly first talks about in the book, it's by Donald L. Hilton, MD, sorry, Hilton Jr. And uh, so he goes through and talks about pornography as an addiction and talks about how we can use our faith and use the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ to, uh, to be able to help us overcome that. But I'm not going to really be talking about that necessarily in this episode. It'll just be about Uh, pornography in general, and I'll be drawing from this book. I'll put the link to it in the show notes, and it is seriously such a great book, and I'm going to read it over and over and over again over the years. (laughs) It's so good. But uh, And it was written in 2007, okay? So keep that in mind. 2007, about, oh, geez, what, like 15 years ago, right? Can I do math? Is that right? Like 14 years ago, something like that. So, yeah, just keep that in mind. It's pretty crazy because the use of pornography has gone up an insane amount. Excuse me. And I also recognize that the subject of pornography can be very sensitive for a lot of people. And that's okay. I hear you. I see you. And we're going to get through this together. So in the book, He Restoreth My Soul, Donald L. Hilton He first really talks about pornography as a business, and this is, it really blew my mind when I really learned how big of a business, how big of a company pornography really is. So in 2010, this isn't from the book because it was written in 2007, but this is just from my own little research here. So in 2010, the global estimate of the porn industry was about $100 billion dollars. 13 of which was in the U.S. alone. The porn industry generates about $12 billion a year. So I think it's safe to say that the porn industry is now worth closer to, what, $200 billion? 
Because if they made $12 billion a year since 2010, that's at least about $200 billion, or another $100 billion, on top of the already $100 billion that they were worth back in 2010. So according to Janet LaRue, who is chief counsel for Concerned Women for America, companies such as, and this is from the book here, so companies such as AT&T, MCI, Time Warner, Comcast, Echostar Communication, GM's DirecTV, Hilton, Marriott, uh, Sheraton, Radisson, Visa, MasterCard, and American Express profit financially from selling this damaging material, so pornography, while individuals and families suffer. When we fight against pornography, we're fighting against some of the wealthiest people in the world. Now just think about that for a second. And she goes on to say, or sorry, Janet LaRue doesn't say this, but this was in uh, abcnews.com in one of their uh, articles titled Porn Profits, Corporate America's Secret. We learn that pornography is a bigger business than the NFL, NBA, and pro baseball combined. Combined, okay? These companies just mentioned make millions off of pornography each year, yet they don't show these profits in company reports. No company does. Just just try to wrap your mind around that for a second. That is so much money. That is one of the, I mean, it's one of the, if not the biggest company in the world. All of these big companies profit so much from pornography, which is just, it's fascinating. It's crazy to me. It's like mind blown. It's, yeah, anyways, it's crazy. Donald Hilton then goes to talk about an experience he had when he visited Rome. So he mentions a series called The Story of Civilization written by Will Durant. It's a massive like 10-part series of really the world's history. And in that book, and there's a part in that book where Will Durant starts to talk about Rome and really the start of the fall of Rome. So there came a time in about AD 100 when the population of Rome started to really start to go downhill. So he says, what has caused the fallen population? Above all, family limitation. Practiced first by the educated classes, it had now seeped down to the proliterate named for its fertility. By AD 100, it had reached the agricultural classes, as shown by the use of imperial alimenta. <laughs> I have no idea how to say that word. Anyways, so to encourage rural parents, rural parentage, sexual excesses. May have, been reduced, may have reduced human fertility. The avoidance or deferment of marriage had a like effect. Moral decay contributed to the disillusion. Men had now, in the middle and upper classes, the means to yield to temptation. Moral and aesthetic standards were lowered by the magnetism of the mass, and sex ran riot in freedom while political liberty decayed. And now Donald Hilton goes on to say, Sadly, we're following suit today. 
and the cyber acceleration of the internet will only speed up the decline. And remember, this was 2007. Think about the internet now. From 2007 to 2021, there is a huge difference. He goes on to say, I believe pornography is both a cause and effect of the dissolution of the family, and in particular, the institution of marriage. In this regard, pornography is an integral link in the current decline seen in Western populations, which is just crazy. I mean, and coming to no surprise when we see how big of a business, how big of a company the porn industry really is. So now let's go into pornography as a drug. Now, if you ask, is pornography a drug? 100% absolutely. It totally is. So psychiatrist Norman Doidge said, not all addictions are to drugs or alcohol. Addiction involves long-term, sometimes lifelong, neuroplastic change in the brain. Pornographers promise healthy pleasure and relief from sexual tension. But what they often deliver is an addiction, tolerance, and eventual decrease in pleasure. In his book, The Brain That Changes Itself, he says this, Hardcore porn unmasks some of the early neutral, or sorry, neural networks, so the brain networks, that formed in the critical periods of sexual development and brings all these early, forgotten, or repressed elements together to form a new network in which all the features are wired together. Porn sites generate catalogs of common kinks and mix them together in images or videos. Sooner or later, the surfer finds a killer combination that presses a number of his or her sexual buttons at once. Then he reinforces the network by viewing the image or videos repeatedly, masturbating, releasing dopamine, and strengthening these networks. He has created a kind of neosexuality, a rebuilt libido that has strong root in his buried sexual tendencies. Very powerful. So let's talk about the chemical dopamine and epinephrine, or otherwise known as adrenaline, which I'm sure is very familiar to all of you. Dopamine as well is getting more more popular today to learn about. But those two, so dopamine and adrenaline, are very close, close relatives. So dopamine actually manufactures adrenaline. A lot of people didn't, don't know that. I didn't know that a little while ago, <laughs> and I just learned it, which is awesome. But uh, adrenaline is made from the same molecule as dopamine. So dopamine is a feel-good chemical, a feel-good pleasure chemical. And adrenaline is the chemical that helps you work and stay focused. It's also the chemical that gets your your uh, heart rate beating really fast. Like when you get scared, it activates your fight-or-flight mode. Or when you're watching or playing in a big game, like a football game, like a couple weeks ago, I went to the Iowa Hawkeyes opening game, go Hawks. And my heart started just beating right before kickoff. And it always does when I watch football games or when I play in games. It's just, it's it's adrenaline. It gets you going. It gets you ready to work. Now, I forget where I heard this about dopamine, but they said that dopamine is released when an experience happens, when something happens to you that turns out better than you thought. 
And so that feel-good chemical, dopamine is released, and you feel good. You're like, oh, wow, okay. That was actually, that was awesome. That's great. And dopamine is usually released on a daily basis to help us feel good, to feel good about life, to be excited about life. Now, here's what's interesting is, so drug companies label dopamine and adrenaline as drugs. So they are drugs that we can take in to our body externally, like through pills. We can take dopamine and uh, adrenaline. However, these drug companies, they will not acknowledge these very same chemicals to be drugs if pornography stimulates the brain to produce them. If Because the brain... Our bodies, right, can naturally produce dopamine and adrenaline. So when our body naturally produces them, and especially when pornography is viewed, the drug companies say, no, like that, those aren't drugs. So, I mean, some will say, oh, because the body, the body, it's the body's natural way of producing it. It's natural, right? That's true. However, like a big, however, big but is that it was not made to produce this much dopamine and adrenaline when pornography is viewed okay pornography is not natural it's really not pornography is made the sole purpose is to get a huge dopamine and adrenaline rush and with that it i mean it makes it addicting because why wouldn't you want to, to feel that good all the time that's what it's made to do it's not made to be natural and say, oh, you know, this is what sex looks like. And pornography is really the top number one sex ed for high school students now because sex education in high schools and college is so poor and just so low that most teenagers learn about sex through pornography. And so they get this false view of sex, a false uh, understanding of what sex is. So when pornography is viewed, right, like we just talked about, massive amounts of dopamine are released, and over time, your normal dopamine levels will start to rise. So the levels that your dopamine is usually at to keep you, you know, generally happy and excited about life will start to rise, and that will be your baseline. And eventually, it will get so high that only pornography will be able to release such dopamine to actually get to your normal level. For you to feel good, for you to feel like you want to live and to experience life, to be excited about life, that feeling will only be met when pornography is viewed because your dopamine baseline is so high. So can you start to see why pornography is a problem? And I mean, I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, already know that pornography is a problem. But can you see now why it starts to be addicting, right? Why pornography is, is a drug? Because it produces, it allows your body and makes your body produce an unnatural amount of dopamine and adrenaline. And when those two are paired together... It just makes it even stronger. So now, after we talk about, so we've talked about dopamine, we've talked about epinephrine or adrenaline. So now let's talk about oxytocin. 
I'm sure some of you have heard about oxytocin before. So oxytocin is a bonding chemical. So now, on average, high school and college students, mainly women, who are sexually active with multiple partners have a higher depression rate than those who are not sexually active. Why? Because of oxytocin. When you have sex and you're about to reach your peak, right, when you're about to uh, reach an orgasm, oxytocin is released to create a sense of bonding and of love. So when the one-night stand partner you know, doesn't want to date or doesn't want to be steady, it's a one-night stand and boom, they're gone. It leaves the, the other person with a feeling of, of connection, a feeling that they, they yearn for. They, they want that love. They want that connection. They want that bonding that they felt when the oxytocin was released. And that's not bad. That's the whole purpose of oxytocin, right? Is to bond, is to help you create a stronger relationship with your spouse or with your partner, right? That's the whole purpose. Except when you sleep around, when you're sexually active with a lot of people, this oxytocin is released every time. And you feel that bond, that sense of love, and then they're gone. That person, the person's gone. And then you're left with a void. A void of love, a void of wanting connection, and of yearning for bonding but it's just it's it won't happen so the way this relates to pornography is oxytocin okay bonds you to pornography oxytocin isn't released only when you're with another person it's released when you reach any sexual peak you know whether that's masturbation through watching pornography or whatever oxytocin is still released and so instead of that bonding chemical going towards another human being right you create a sense of love and connection with the virtual people that you either watch or the pictures that you look at through pornography and so that just drives the pornography hook that addiction even deeper because then, once you hit your peak orgasm, right, and it's all over, you have that void. It's just, it's gone. That sense of, and you, you have a sense, you have a yearning for bonding and for connection and for love. But instead of bonding with your partner, or your spouse, you have bonded with this virtual person through pornography. And now, what's really interesting, kind of back up a little bit to dopamine, is the main rush of dopamine, the main rush of adrenaline, doesn't necessarily come with uh, the viewing of pornography itself or the orgasm coming from masturbation through pornography. It comes from the building up of watching pornography, of looking at pornography, of masturbation because when you really get the sense of okay i i'm gonna look at porn tonight or 
I'm going to look at porn in like 10 minutes. Adrenaline starts to be released and your heart rate increases and dopamine levels are like, all right, time to, you know, bump it up, baby. Adrenaline's letting us know. And so all this dopamine is released. And that's really where the biggest peak of dopamine is, which is really interesting. It's the buildup to pornography, to, uh, you know, acting out, to viewing pornography, to masturbating. So when pornography is viewed repeatedly over time, uh, it, it literally, through all of these just dumping of chemicals over and over again, it literally causes some parts of the brain to shrink. One of those being your prefrontal cortex and uh, these other parts of the brain that I'll talk about here. And this has a similar effect to different kinds of drugs like cocaine, to methamphetamine, and to obesity. Those are the three that uh, Donald Hilton compared, compared uh, pornography with. So what's interesting, back up to the survey that I had people take, right? As I was thinking about that survey, I thought, okay, so every single participant said that they have viewed pornography. They have looked at pornography. Now, if this was a survey of, let's say, you know, how many of you have done cocaine or how many of you have done meth, I really highly doubt, no matter where you are in the world, okay, that every single participant done at random would say that they have done cocaine or that they have done meth before. Maybe they've seen it, but they haven't, they haven't done it, right? You know, maybe you would get, you know, 5 out of 10, 6 out of 10, 4 out of 10, 3 out of 10. But I really do believe it would be significantly less than when compared with pornography because pornography is so much more accessible, just a few clicks away, right? Especially with today's technology on your phone, on your laptop, on your computer. It's literally one click away. And so it's so much easier to access than than these other drugs. So when compared, when pornography is compared with cocaine, methamphetamine, and obesity, there are five parts of the brain that, uh, that really shrink or have an effect, or that he, ooh, excuse me, that he compares uh, this with. So when someone does cocaine, it affects their orbital frontal or their midfront their midfrontal cortex okay or the frontal lobe that's right in front of your brain like your forehead boom that's your frontal cortex and in your prefrontal cortex that's where emotions are controlled that's where your personality is that's where your your, your decision making is and so when someone is on drugs their prefrontal cortex shrinks Thus, their decision-making, the choice that they have to do drugs or to look at porn is a lot harder to make and a lot harder to fall into or a lot harder to say no to, rather, I should say. And so that's really what a big part of why drugs are addicting and why it's, it can be really hard to say no to because that part of your brain that is about and controls decision making and helps you make the right decision literally physically shrinks 
And so that's the same with meth, obesity, and pornography. So then there is your hippocampus. Now your hippocampus is a part of the brain that works with memory. So when you're on cocaine, meth, and pornography, your hippocampus starts to shrink. Okay, it physically shrinks. And with obesity, it, there's no correlation with that. But anyways, so then there are three different parts of the brain. Now, for the sake of time, we, let's see here. Okay, so anyway, long story short, these five parts of the brain, all five of them are affected by pornography and no other uh, no other drug affects all parts of the brain like pornography does. Cocaine, it affects these three parts of the brain. Meth affects the same three parts. Obesity affects two parts of the brain. And pornography affects all five. Which is just fascinating to me. And it just goes to show how strong of a drug pornography really is. You know, there are countless stories of people... They're, they quit smoking, they quit drugs like cocaine or meth, and they say the hardest one to quit was pornography. And I believe that's because it controls and has an effect on way more parts of the brain. I guess not way more, but I mean more parts of the brain than any of the other drugs did. Now, for some people, obviously, it's different for everyone. Like, some people can quit pornography first, and then it's hard to quit cocaine or, you know, whatever. It's it's different for everyone, but uh, regardless, pornography still affects more parts of the brain than any of these other hardcore drugs, which is just fascinating to me. And so that's really it for this episode that I've wanted to talk about. There is so much more that I want to talk about and that I'm going to talk about here in future episodes. I don't know if I'll do these episodes back to back, as in like my next couple episodes will all be about pornography, but I mean, they really might because I am just, I'm fascinated by this topic and really I, I'm going to make a difference. I want to make a, a difference in this world when it comes to especially pornography because, because it is such a big problem especially in today's world, especially with the youth of today, with high schoolers, with college students, and with adults. It's a problem throughout every age. It really is. And the, um, the age is getting younger and younger for when people are first introduced to pornography. I believe right now it's like 12 or 10, you know, something really young like that. And it really gets them kind of hooked, kind of start on this pornography journey, uh, so to speak, from a very young age. And it is very damaging. And it is a drug. It's, I mean, clearly, right? Like we just talked about. And the fact that it's so easy to access is a really big problem. So I'm starting the fight, man. And remember that when 
you do stand up against pornography, you really are going against some of the wealthiest people in the world, some of the biggest companies in the world. And so, but I, I, I really firmly believe that we can make a difference in this world. And it first starts with being aware, right? Like I've said in past episodes, it's all about being aware and coming, uh, coming to consciousness with it and realizing that it really is a problem. And if you look for it, you'll see it. But I know that we can make a difference. So thank you all for joining me on this episode and have a great week. Hey everyone, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, please leave a rating and review. That would mean the world to me. That's how I'll be able to reach and help as many people as I can. If you know of anyone that could possibly benefit from this episode or any other one of my episodes, please share it with them. You can also subscribe or follow to be notified when my future episodes come out. So thank you all so much for your support and I'll see you in the next episode. Peace.